A good day and welcome to episode 75 of the Plus One Player Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Steven, as always, joined by the lore connoisseur himself, Matt Martinez. Into the woods. Into the woods. He's been (laughs) singing Into the Woods for about 20 minutes now. It's it's interesting. So you can see that this podcast will go over well. And this week we are joined by the Empress of Stardew Valley, Christine. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's been uh, it's been a good week, and I'm excited to talk about our topic tonight because I feel like this is something that is right up Matt's alley. So maybe we can get some real energy on the pod this week. I'm very excited. And also that the first game we have, in, uh, it's going to be a good one. I'm excited. Yes. We're all excited. I'm pumped. Are you? I started playing uh, Bloodborne today, and let me tell you, it is difficult. But I'm finally getting the knack of the combat. I I was going through Central Yarnum so many times, just trying to unlock this other gate (laughs) so (laughs) I could just have it as a loop so I didn't have to keep going through the same just endless wave of enemies. So I finally did that. I felt pretty accomplished, and uh, yeah, nice. I, I'm actually having a little bit of fun with it. I'm I'm surprised at myself. And so Manny nice. actually reminded me that about two years ago he said that if I ever played a Soulsborne game, he would uh, bleach his hair. And so he said the joke is on me that he doesn't have hair anymore. To which <laughs> I have demanded he bleach his beard and chest hair. And so we'll see. He's got a beard. We'll see what's going on there. So that's actually oh. better be bleached. It leads me to the next point: is oh. that's why Manny's not here. Is he's actually out now, pricing bleaches. So he's just going uh. salon to salon, door to door, just trying to find the best bleaching price for his beard and chest hair. So I wish him <laughs> the best of luck, and I'm really interested in seeing him with a bleached face and chest. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime the is it from into the woods of course i was gonna actually ask is that from into the woods so i'm glad you cleared that up beforehand so in the meantime i do have to keep the house clean so as always follow us on social media we are at plus one player on twitter and instagram and that's at plus the number one player and of course you can go to facebook at facebook.com slash plus one player so go check out all of the social media sites give us a follow because it'll keep you up to date with everything that's happening on the website, which, of course, is plusoneplayer.com. So go on over there, check out all of our articles, all of our interviews, all of our podcast links. And you can also get links to Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash plusoneplayer. We're streaming all types of games, so go hang out with us there. You can also find links to the Discord, which is a great community. We'd love to have you because we're having some great conversations, chatting it up all day and all night, having a good time, all types of channels. We got a lot of hype for Game of Thrones. By the time this comes out, Game of Thrones episode one will have already happened. I'm excited. I know Matt is just going to be miserable throughout all of this, but... Because well, there's I heard no Stannis. This, this last season's it's a, it's a musical. It's, it's Into the Woods. Yeah, that's what it is. So we get a, a lot of good conversations. Of fire and ice, guys. So oh my god they're right they sing that's how it ends oh my god that's why george R. R. martin's taking so long because he's writing a musical oh of course so now we know the real ending of game of thrones but if you'd like to join that discord community click that link on the website or the twitter bio unless of course you're racist in which case you can go get blasted by drogon just get blasted get blasted <laughs> get blasted and if you've enjoyed 
all of the content if you've enjoyed hanging out with us in discord think of heading on over to patreon.com slash plus one player and if you're feeling generous throw us a buck or two because every dollar you give us will go right back to the show to make it the best podcast it could possibly be we have an amazing group of supporters and we'd love it if you join that group and of course, can't finish up housekeeping without mentioning the biggest Patreon supporter, and that's the sponsor of the show, Nerdiest Brands. And just like last week, we have a special request from them, so we'll be talking a little bit about MRPG chat before the topic of the podcast, so stay tuned. But with that, the house is now clean. Episode 75, we are three quarters of the way to the big 100 triple digis, baby. We're almost there. That's crazy. It is crazy. We've right? been doing this for 75 years. It's insane. <laughs> One episode a year. <laughs> We've released them in minute increments. <laughs> so, Matt. That would be 25 weeks. That's like half a year until we get to 100. Yeah. So, it's been, a, it's been an arduous journey, as they say. But, episode 75, we actually have a lot of fun planned this week. So, Matt, what is on the agenda? Well, for our game. We're going to play Steamer Steve, where we have to guess. Christine and I will have to guess if a game that Steve describes to us is a game that is currently on Steam or a game that he made up. I'm very excited because we haven't played it in a while. Mm. Then we are going to discuss our topic of the pod, and that we are going to talk about um, morally gray characters in video games and why, or morally and morally gray like choices and why that's interesting. Um, it's sort of hot right now as well, um, Very especially topical. in some communities, like the World of Warcraft community. Yeah, and um, honestly, <laughs> I just I just finished up the final season of the Walking Dead game finally, and so there's mm-hmm. there, that that got me feeling away. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's also like in media in general right now. It's like yes. morally ambiguous characters oh, yeah. are in, so I'm interested to see what you guys think of it too. Then we'll close out the pod with patch notes where we talk about the news we do talk about the news great this is my world warcraft episode i'm gonna talk about it as much (laughs) as possible you say that like you don't do that on a lot of this one it's real because my patch notes is also world of warcraft related (laughs) you're having a week you've been a week yeah you've been planning for this yep krav magra you know (laughs) no uh Krav Maga, the big chungus. He is a big chungus. He's a big he's chungus. A toad. He's a big toad. Um, great. So why? So why? Okay, yeah. So great, Steve. <laughs> why don't you start with Steamer Steve? I would love to start with Steamer Steve. So for those who may good have to be forgot, back. good to be back. <laughs> Steam or Steve is the game where I try to trick our contestants into thinking games i make up are actually on steam and vice versa games that are on steam i actually make up and so for this one i i do want to just put the disclosure out there now that i did manipulate some of the actual steam descriptions to make it what well i had to make it sound more like an actual description some of them were really really bad (laughs) so i had to kind of manipulate a couple of them had to rewrite it a little yeah a little bit but the the base of what they're saying is there so i may have added a a few words for flavor you know gotta spice it up we like things spicy here at the plus one player podcast okay as you know yep so without further adieu i present to you steamer steve so the first one weedcraft inc would-be marijuana moguls will need to prioritize resources carefully as they manage the production and distribution of their weed. 
Cultivate killer plants, crossbreed them to create unique uh, unique strains Excuse me, of the devil's lettuce, hire and manage a growing staff, and be prepared to take on the competition. As in real life, the business of Bud presents plenty of opportunity along with a plethora of problems. Decide when and where to take on extra risk to maximize profit, but be careful. The cops and politicians are all working their own angles. Weedcraft, Inc. I know the answer to this. So don't guess. Let me guess. <laughs> Then, you, then with that, you cannot change your guess after hearing her guess. Lock Can't it in. Make up rules. Well, you got to lock it in because then it... I'll lock it in. This game, it sounds like a business simulator. Mm -hmm. Sounds like there's some intricate things going on. You're managing relationships. You're you you have to interact with you know other groups that have their own motivations. Politicians and cops, man. You probably are. You know the the galactic weed the biochemistry senate. part of it. <laughs> the galactic weed senate. There's there's biochemistry involved too. You get to crossbreed some the cross killer breeding. strains of the devil's lettuce. I think that this is a Steam game. So you say Steam? That's what I say. Okay. And Christine, locking it in, I guess. It is a Steam game because it came up on my recommended. Yeah, it literally came out today. Yes. I actually kind of want to get it. It looks like it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> But they were saying, because they actually tweeted out, because it's a Devolver game, and they had tweeted out yeah. that a lot of the people who are, you know, putting content on YouTube, like content creators, they're getting it demonetized just because it's called Weedcraft. And they're like, there's no, really? the, the, the Devolver yep. comes out, there's like, there's no doing of drugs in this game. It's a business simulator. <laughs> it is a business. It sounds yeah. very business simulating. It is. All right. So that's the first one. So the next one, Cupbearer. Take control of the cupbearer for a mad king and choose to do his bidding or sabotage him at every turn. Choose your decisions wisely to avoid detection because one false move could lead you to the guillotine. Cupbearer. Interesting. So you're the cupbearer. A lot of moral, a lot of morally ambiguous decisions here. The king. He's a mad king, so he's he's very much a tyrant. And your head would be chopped off if you get caught. Yeah, treason. Or you could, like it says, you could just do his bidding and just be, you know, his right-hand cupbearer. <laughs> I'm going to go, I think it's a Steve creation. Uh, this one's hard. I'm on the fence. He's on the fence. It sounds like it could be real. Yeah. I don't know. I get a lot of weird recommendations in my Steam. They're <laughs> 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 playing all these indie horror games. Like, yeah. Oh, you want oh, this? Yeah. I'm like, My God, no. I can't wait for the next boss in Pacify. We have to play that on stream. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> so scary. I'm going to go with Steam. Steam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the enunciation because it, it's tough. They're, they sound very similar, hence Steam they or Steve. Steve or Steve. And I, as, as you know, I'm an actor. So you are. pronunciation is very important to me. Yes, you're a real thespian. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got Christine with Steve. Matt with Steam, and Christine gets it. It is a Steve creation. Damn it. Yes. That sounds that like a pretty fun game, right, though? Not bad. Not bad at all. It really doesn't sound bad. You should pitch it to a developer. <laughs> I'll just I'll just pitch it. I'll, I'll call some of the people we met. Make at, a combo uh, pack. You get like, whose hey. shoes are these? You get bearer. <laughs> like, I got a lot oh of God. ideas. We, have, we could do a combo pack of our <laughs> ideas and sell them. <laughs> <laughs> like just a 10 minute pitch i'll give you 10 percent of my brain <laughs> oh my okay God, yeah we could pitch that we could pitch galactic senate simulator yeah. <laughs> speaking of games to pitch here comes the next one 
progress bar simulator. <laughs> no. <laughs> progress. The final frontier. Since everything <laughs> progresses, but not as fast or slow as you want it to, you can take full control of progress in this game. Made with mostly historically correct progress bars from the history of computers, press buttons on your keyboard to make the progress bars go up and down. <laughs> progress bar simulator. That sounds amazing. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's definitely a Steam game. Yeah. And it's like, I can't even think of progress bars. I remember <laughs> the old Microsoft one, like with the blocks. That yeah, go... it's pretty much that. All right, so you both say Steam. It's a Steam game. It is a Steam game. Progress Bar Simulator. Boom. <laughs> what are the reviews? I didn't read the reviews. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to check oh. the reviews for you. Okay, so the next one. Infinite Chili Sauce. <laughs> what? It is imperative that you keep producing hot sauce and maintain your very own hot sauce empire. The more hot sauce you create, the more skills you gain to add on your quests to be the emperor of hot sauce. Infinite Chili Sauce. Man, it sounds good. It's gonna be like, what if, what if you like Kevin it from the office and you spill it everywhere? <laughs> You're out of some well, chili. Infinite of it. So. Well, you got it. You want to get to that point. You got to work your mm. way up to infinite. You start off as moderate chili sauce. <laughs> You'll eventually infinite get there. Chili sauce into the woods. Sounds yummy. I think that's a Steve. I think so too. Both on the Steve Creation Station. Yeah. yeah. It's a Steam game. Infinite Chili it Sauce is, is in no! fact a Steam. That's, that's one of the ones I had to manipulate Damn. because the description was just like, one, need to make hot <laughs> sauce. Two, need to make a lot of hot sauce to become <laughs> hot sauce master. Three, easy to learn. <laughs> Ow. I love that. Yeah, so I had, to, I had to go a little, a little freelance infinite on that. Sauce. So in, it's Infinite Chili Sauce. That's the oh, one. shit. Okay, so the next one. Four Paws, and that's the number four. So Four Paws. This co-op adventure game puts you and three of your friends in control of one pet, dog, or cat. The catch? Each of you controls one of the animal's four paws. You must work together to successfully explore a variety of environments such as the living room, the bathroom, the off-limits office space, all four bedrooms, and, if you're feeling really adventurous, the backyard leads to a delightful walking trail. So Four oh. Paws. <laughs> My god. Could you imagine four people controlling one dog? No. Each person on each leg. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> There'd be a lot of arguments. It's, it's like quap, yeah. except multi it's multiplayer quap. <laughs> That's so funny. Or like hand simulator. <laughs> oh my god, hand, hand simulator. simulator so, so hard. hard. So hard. But, and what was the what was the title of the game again? Four paws. So the number four. So get it like you know. <laughs> if this is a Steve creation, this is a really good idea <laughs> and should be purchased. I'm going to say it's Steve because I feel like it's too good to be true. Steam is not I feel like creative. I would have heard about it if it wasn't Steve. Right. Because it's, it's like, like so funny. funny. Yeah, I feel like someone would stream it. <laughs> I'm going to go Steve too. You're both correct. That's a Steve creation. Ah, That's a good that's one. Saying, it's so that's, good. You need to yeah. pitch that to someone. <laughs> gonna Put call. it in the... The Steve combo pack. <laughs> the Steve combo yeah, pack. put it in the, the Steve idea combo pack on Humble Bundle. The, stin, the Stindy pack. The Steve the st- Indy pack. <laughs> Welcome Stindy. to the Stindies. Oh my okay. god. Next one. 
This one's ridiculous. <laughs> Ultimate sports games. And that's sports with a Z and exclamation mark after games. Oh, no. Play solo or with friends through an exhilarating combination of baseball, football, basketball, soccer, and hockey. The ultimate combination of these drastically different sports is as confusing as it is frustrating. Be the first one to score <laughs> be the first one to score a home touch goal shot or have the most sad attempts as time expires to be crowned the ultimate sports games champion. Ultimate <laughs> sports games. What's the title? It's sports with the Z. Ultimate sports yeah, sports uh, game. <laughs> sports. Yeah. Sports of games. <laughs> Ultimate sports games. I'm going to say Steam. I don't know. This one's also a hard one. I don't know if Steve would write this one. I'm guessing that it's a Steam game and you edited the description. That's a Steve game. Oh, fuck! So I, that, I, I will say write that, that kind of did pain me because I am a sports fan. And I hate when people are like, sports ball. Like, we get it. <laughs> yeah. You don't watch sports, but don't lie to me and tell me you don't know that there are different sports. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I figured that might be one that might trip you up. So what are we at? Because I think, I think Christine has one on you. I think she does, too. We have three more. Okay. Okay. The Arm Claw Experiment. A sandbox game played in VR where there are no missions or objectives, penalties or rewards, and there are no hand-holding tutorials. You can use your hooks to swing around and explore the procedurally generated city, hunt and grab the randomly placed stars in the map, or have fun grabbing onto and wrecking helicopters. What you do is up to you. The Arm Claw Experiment. Arm Claw Experiment. And you're hooking things and jumping around. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing, there's no missions, you're just... You're basically I mean, Spider-Man with hooks and nothing to do. <laughs> I was going to say, is it like a Spider-Man game? This is dumb. Jesus. Oh my god! I think it's a Steam game. I also. I feel like someone Steam. may make that on Steam. It yeah. is a Steam game. Yes, the Arm Claw Experiment is a Steam game. Yes. <laughs> All right, next one. I'm on observation duty. Your job <laughs> is to monitor live surveillance camera footage and spot anomalies in the monitored rooms. Anomalies range from furniture movement to otherworldly intruders. When you spot an anomaly, you have to file a report to fix it. You will need sharp eyes and good memory to survive the entire night. I'm on observation duty. So you're a camera? No, you're you're like security. Oh, you're computer security. Sounds like a Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff. I would lean that it's a Steam game because it sounds... It sounds like a really bad Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff to me. (laughs) Is that what Five Nights at Freddy's is? I never played that one. Well, you you sort are of. like you're like a surveil like you work security at like a Chuck E. Cheese esque thing. But oh, is that know. the story? Yeah, and <laughs> I the thought there was just like a creepy fucking life. doll coming to the animatronics. Well, the animatronics come to life, and you have to like manage your oh. power resources and survive for five nights. So why do you need to survive for five nights? Because it's Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> I don't, don't know you... why it's Five Nights. I don't. I never played it. Well, I feel like you could just leave this when once day. You know, someone's got to come. <laughs> well, to you open like the leave store. during the day. And you come back at night. You're the. Why night would shift. you do that if there's <laughs> evil robots that come alive at night? Because the economy, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, economy. Shit, yes. job. God damn it. The Nasdaq, Dow Jones. Uh, so you're both on Steam. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is a Steam game. Okay, so the last one, Christine still has a one-point lead, by the way. So the last one, 
Soup or salad? Oh, no. <laughs> right in front of my salad? You're out to lunch, trying to relax during a busy week, and you know it's coming, but you're still not prepared for what awaits. That's right. The dreaded question from the server. Super salad. One answer leads no. to the satisfying lunch experience that you crave. I don't know. Super salad. Oh. What dressings do they have? <laughs> salad? It didn't get into detail, unfortunately. I mean, because if they have blue cheese, I'm going salad. <laughs> but it I mean, also depends what out. soups they have. <laughs> What's chili. the soup du jour? With, I'd go with soup. Is it infinite chili? Eh, it might be chili. Infinite chili sauce? I think this is a Steve one. I think it's a Steve one also. Super salad is a Steve game, yes. <laughs> nice. Super salad. And so Super that salad. has been Steamer Steve. There, We got a couple that we can now pitch. We got uh, Four Paws. <laughs> four Paws is so was, funny. Cup Bearer was wasn't bad. We can probably pitch that. Cup Bearer could be pitched. Small indie game. Honestly, we could pitch Super Salad. That'd be an easy game to make. Just one scene. You just you just need to it's go to literally lunch. Literally one scene. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So yeah, we got a few there. All right. So that was a good time. And now before we get into the topic of the podcast, I do have to let you guys know about MRPG Chat. MRPG Chat is a community-driven and supported gaming app. This app lets you create custom D&D and various other RPG campaigns through a text-based format. Not only can you casually play with your friends, you can even join someone else's custom game. The app is free to download. That's MRPG Chat on the Google Play Store and Apple, what is it? Apple App Store? I don't even know. The App Store? The App Store. <laughs> there you go. It's in the App Store. So go check out MRPG Chat so you can have some fantasy adventures at your fingertips. Back over to you, Matt, to kick off the topic. Well, like I said at the top of the show, uh, the topic of the pod, we're going to talk about the moral gray of the world, of the video game world. So I think we're going to start off with like morally gray characters and and see where the discussion takes us. But actually, instead of starting with morally gray characters, perhaps we should start with why we think this, you know, why, why we think like morally gray characters, morally gray like storylines or people we interact with in video games are even interesting in the first mm-hmm. place. Uh, and then we can go from there. So yeah, what what have been your experiences with morally gray situations decision making characters in video games and why has has it been interesting to you maybe it hasn't i generally find it pretty interesting i mean being someone who absolutely loves the telltale games and life is strange and the quantic dream Mm. games i very much like the decision making aspects and so that oftentimes will lead me to kind of those morally gray areas where it depends on like the character um because when we get into the character discussion I'm going to have a theme where pretty much all my characters are ones that you can kind of determine whether they'll be good or bad and like where that kind of comes into play. I think it's just that for me, it's the sense of that connection to the character where I feel like I'm actually determining how they turn out to be one way or another. And that oftentimes will lead to those decisions where you're like, oh, I'm not sure if like I would do this or if I, if I'd want this character to do it, but then depending on like where you're at narratively, maybe that is the right decision and it's like the hard decision. I don't know. I feel like those games have always stuck out to me the most because it gives me a little bit something more to do as opposed to just kind of sitting back and watching a story play out. I feel like it gives you something to think about too. Yeah. And I feel like what a lot, what maybe a lot of people miss 
is that like I, f- I feel like the term morally gray almost doesn't even mean anything anymore because it's mm-hmm. been so like overused and like it's beaten. such a trope yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah that definitely but it's like for me it's more like characters who have really strong motivations based on uh, a moral compass that th- that has been developed for them in some way that is outside of what we think as humans is like this is good versus this is bad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so like people with like really unique motivations r- interest me a lot yeah um, and i think that's always really compelling yeah i agree i also think i like it because it's more realistic the majority of people that i know in my life mm. are more have like gray or leaning towards one way or another but they're not in, they don't view the world in black and white yeah and I, I as much as i love like fantasy settings i like the sense of realism realism where it's like i can personally relate to this in some way shape or form and like steve you mentioned you like like the options i'm the same way like the mass effect series and other games that i play mm-hmm. the crap out of i like it's like well i could stay neutral i could go one way or the other way depending on what i want to do so i agree yeah and l- i don't know I, f- I feel like a lot of i feel like there's two points one is that i feel like a lot of video games ha- have historically put us in a box as players where well here's a big baddie Mm -hmm. and this person is evil and that who is who you're fighting and it's taken like a lot of time and work to get video games out of that box Mm -hmm. and then uh other point was oh to your point christine about choice i feel like the problem with a lot of games where the player has agency is that oftentimes and we've we've talked about this in we talked about it in like the evil character episode or the villains 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 episode Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) that like the good storylines often have the best endings and the quote-unquote evil storylines often don't have great endings yeah yeah that aren't like compelling or interesting and then i don't even like I can't think of a game that has had like a interesting neutral ending. It's always like, oh, well, your character will develop over time to be the good person or the bad person. It's not right. like, well, your character is complex and interesting. And so you get this like really weird middle ending, you know? I feel like for a lot of those games, you're compelled to do the good ending. You're never compelled to be neutral. Like, never. I, yeah. I'm going to talk about a few, like, especially the Red Dead series. I feel like that one in particular, mm. while you're still like this outlaw who, you know, isn't really doing great things when you really break it down, they still have that code. And then no matter what, you are compelled to be good just because it makes things easier on you. Like, traveling around with a bounty or like a wanted level fucking sucks. So you want to do that as little as possible unless like you're welcoming like, all right, let's see how many waves of bounty hunters I can take on today. So if you're going that route, then yeah, go crazy. Just kill everybody in town. But I feel like a lot of those games, they reward you far more for being good. I'd kind of like it if a game was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, let's just go nuts. And like, if you're, if you're a bad person, you're going to, you're going to get like the cool ending. You're going to get the cool power ups. Cause uh, I'm going to talk about it with infamous too. It's the same thing where you're more compelled to be good, even though, they try to be like, look, there's two separate skill trees. If you if you go the bad route, you can do all these powers. But when I kind of looked at them side by side, I was like, all the good ones just seem better. So, like, mm. what is really compelling me other than, like, getting the trophies on PSN for the bad stuff? Like, what is really compelling me to do that side of it? Well, what's interesting right now, too, in 
and what's going on with destiny 2 story-wise is that like you've had two whole games where you've you as a player and uh, your character has believed like the light and the traveler are these like just entirely benevolent things that have like kept you alive and like you've been fighting hordes of all these horrible creatures that Mm -hmm. have come to like kill everyone and like right now like literally right now the story is like well there's also like this darkness and like power that you can harness from there and like a lot of questions are being raised about well is the traveler actually good is the whole like universe in this supposed to be in a balance and like if one of these things gets too powerful like isn't that a really bad thing and like your guardian practicing the light is like one of the most powerful beings in the universe so you're like questioning your own like yeah or even your own purpose like why have Mm -hmm. i been killing all of these creatures invading our galaxy like you know why am i doing that so that's interesting but yeah you you don't really have agency too much in destiny 2 you just sort of consume the story yep who knows maybe it'll lead in a different direction with upcoming events and stuff so that's true and with who knows what they're gonna do with destiny 3 like if they're doing if they're leading to something like that that could change kind of course of like what the narrative in destiny 3 is going to all be about oh for sure touching on the point of like how they always tend to reward the good choices there's very few games that i think make the morality scale fair i think fable the fable series one of the few ones that i can think of i was going to mention fable later that's a good point yeah Yeah. they actually like it is like pretty balanced in terms of like well if you go good this way or bad that like you get like a fair it's like powers or weapons but yeah. i always feel like if you go good it's like if you go good you could get this angelic blue light sword that does 100 <laughs> yeah. damage if you go bad here's a red axe or some bullshit you know right so i don't know <laughs> not very many games are able to balance it fairly yeah because like one of the ones that i find is the most unbalanced is uh metal gear 5 because the whole concept of the game really the whole concept of metal gear solid the whole series really like the politics behind it is like nuclear disarmament. Like that's the whole thing. At the end of the first game, it gives you a graphic back in like 98 of how many nuclear warheads are out there in the world. So Hideo Kojima has always been very upfront about like what this game is all about. And so you have a good and a, an evil scale. Like if you do evil things, you become like the demon big boss or whatever. And like eventually like the shrapnel in your head, like grows to a horn. And so if you decide to create a nuke, it basically throws you right into demon status right off the bat. Like it drops your score as low as it, uh, to the point where it's like low enough to get you to be a demon, even if like you have, have been good the entire time. But the whole premise of the game is you're supposed to be building your base. And so it heavily discourages killing enemies because what you'd really want to do is tranquilize them and then send them back to your base. So you have a strong base to eventually rank up and get new gear, get new equipment and so by doing that alone, by not killing people and by actually rescuing them and doing objectives, you end up just being good. So it's one of those ones where it's mm. like, yeah, it gives you the option, but there is literally no big benefit from being bad in that game. Because if you're good, the more people at your base, the quicker you can rank up weapons, the quicker, like just the, the better arsenal you have, the better gear you have. And so if I can do all of that, why would I be evil? You know, why would I even try it? <laughs> Yeah. And so I, I, I like the, the ones where it gives you like maybe like a little bit of reason. Like Red Dead is one where 
yeah, like, it's easier to be bad just because you're like, oh, I'm an outlaw. Like, I can do this shit. Like, it, it, I guess it, it's, it registers easier in the gamer when they're like, yeah, if I'm just, like, robbing people, whatever, I'm in a gang. Like, that's what a gang person would do. But at the same time, like, you see the way, like, John and Arthur interact with people, and you're like, well, these guys are, like, nice guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're very caring. And so right there you're like well do i really want to like just go into a town and shoot up the general store just for you know whatever's in the register not really cool okay well let's transition into then some characters that we like who walk the line of morality between good and evil i want to throw one out there because the first time i played skyrim i was drawn to the storm cloaks just because like the imperials right off the bat you're pretty much led to believe the imperials are the bad ones like they're you know they're the man you know you, you just want to take yeah, them out the man and then once i learned more about the Stormcloaks, i was and like how racist they yeah are. i was like you guys are kind of shitty and so that's kind of one of those ones because like they're fighting for their beliefs and their beliefs are you know free nation and all that but then you start to peel back and really realize what their morality is and you're like well maybe the Imperials might be a better option. Yes. A strong federal government. Well, it's just like, it always jumps out to me because that one is like, at first glance, it doesn't seem like a, a, an in-depth decision, you know? Because you're like, oh, Imperial, yeah. bad, Stormcloak, good. Rebellion, yeah, let's take out the yeah, people yeah. who are oppressing us. And then you're like, well, the Stormcloaks are terrible. Like, they hate Argonians. I went into, what is it, Whiterun? As an yeah. orc, and I just like the first person yeah, that comes up to me is just like, "What are you doing here, orc?" I'm like, "All right, <laughs> just shopping, saving your fucking country, yeah. asshole." Literally doing everything for you, assholes. But cool, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm the bad guy because I'm an orc, and so that one always jumps out to me because, like, unless you really start to dig into it, you are always going to be compelled to join the Stormcloaks. <laughs> Like, yeah, and that's, that's how it, they set it up. That's how they it, set the game up. Because once you find out like what they're all about, like that doesn't jive with me. Like I'm like, all right, well, no, I like the Argonians, and I'm a fucking orc, so I like the orcs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I mean by like. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't say even that's morally gray, but it's like they have complex motivations. Yeah. Where like, yeah, it's like the spirit of rebellion and fuck the man, and then it's also like, oh, but here's all this terrible baggage that comes along with that. You yeah. know. So, a like, you as a player have to make that decision yeah. of, like, well, do I want to support this rebellion or not? <laughs> because <Yeah>. they're horrible. <laughs> well, things that stand out for me, just like Christine said, and this is more related to choice, but, like, Fable and Mass Effect, mm -hmm. just in the fact that you have to make decisions that often affect other characters in those games, and you have to, like balance like oh well should i do this because i'll gain this or should i do that because it's the right thing to do you right. know or or because i want to i feel like i want to be a jerk and i want to be mean to this person yeah and then how will it affect the story going through because i think no mass effect did but i think fable series did where you did it do where your previous decisions would impact the future games if you carried over Fable? your save file. Yeah, did they no, do No, Mass that? Effect. Mass I know Effect Mass did. Effect did. I wasn't sure oh. if Fable did. I don't think so. I, I know. Think I Fable, think you're... maybe with three because it depended. Because I think depending on what gender you played as in two, it would be like, oh, your mother or your father was the ruler of Albion. Like, I think they based some story aspects oh, off of it. Maybe. But I don't know about the moral choices. 
Mm. Mass Effect, it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like heavily. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, did you save the cockroach people or no? <laughs> Guess what? <gasps> now they're going to attack you instead of help you in the war. Yeah. This is where I'd like to bring up World of Warcraft. You have a few characters in the lore who are pitched as morally gray. One of them is not <laughs> who was promised <laughs> to be that, and that's Sylvanas Windrunner, Windrunner, who is the current war chief of the Horde. In Legion, she basically like agrees to fight alongside the Alliance to like, you know, help destroy the Burning Legion, which is coming to invade the planet slash titan azeroth and so <laughs> so you think like oh wow like she's taken over the horde like she's gonna you know they're fighting together da 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 like oh she's so she's so interesting and intricate and she has a bunch of motivations and da 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 and then in battle for azeroth she just <laughs> burns down the night elf home world which <laughs> is like the night elf home world is like one of these great world trees on azeroth so it's like it's like a huge no-no to yeah. do that because you're not just burning down like this capital city. You're like burning a lifeline for the planet. And like there's druids in the horde, like the entire Tauren race are like mostly druids and shamans. And like to burn down one of these great trees is like ostracizing an entire class of, of characters. So yeah, but I guess the argument in favor of her being morally gray is that, like, her number one motivation is, like, to ensure the survival of her people. And she's forsaken, so she's undead. She was brought back to life by Arthas. And so, like, she's the only person that, like, really, really cares about the survival of her of her people. So I guess you could argue that that's her, like, number one motivation and she'll do anything to, like, keep them alive. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. once a Forsaken dies, they're, like, dead for good. There's no, like, extra. There's nothing else. Yeah. So there's only really, like, a limited population of them. So I guess we really need to see where the whole, where her whole arc goes to truly know whether or not, like, she has these complex motivations or not. I actually so knew who that thing. was when you said her name. I was like, I know that character. <laughs> She's oh, famous. <laughs> she is famous. People like cosplay as her and stuff. The one character who is like truly morally gray in my eyes in WoW is um, Illidan, Stormrage. Demon boy, the first demon hunter. He's got big wings and horns. <laughs> Twin brother of Malfurion. Steve, are you listening? Yes, I'm listening. I just what? don't know What's what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> Well, Illidan's whole thing is that, like, he wants to destroy the Burning Legion, but you don't really know that at various points of the story. And he basically, like, betrays his people and betrays his brother and his lover, or the person he is in love with, that his twin brother's also in love with. It's like scandalous. It's a little scandalous. Whoa. I know, yeah. (laughs) Twins. Oh, he's the purple boy. Shout out to all you twins out there who have the same lover. Leave us a voicemail. <laughs> Tell us about it. Oh man, if we get vo- oh three four seven five zero nine five six two zero, because I definitely want to hear about that. <laughs> I want to hear that too. Call in and tell us about your morally gray choices as a twin. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so like through the whole story, and this starts. I think he's in like Warcraft three or something, but yeah, 
basically throughout the entire WoW story. And Illidan is like definitely one of Blizzard's favorite characters. Um, you just you just don't know his motivations. Like you as a player in WoW, you like fight him as a boss at one point. Like he's one of the end end raid bosses um, in in one of the patches. And so like, but he's also like fighting. You know, he fights Arthas and is trying to destroy the Lich King at the same time. So there's just, and like, sometimes he allies with his brother, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes he's allied with you, he like becomes a demon, there's like all these really, uh... So he's like the little finger of WoW? No, just he's like... like very powerful, but in terms of like physical strength, but unlike Littlefinger. Anyway, so Illidan is just like a really good example, I think, of a character that has very mixed motivations but will like do anything to like get to his end goal of like saving the planet, even yeah. though if his his methods are very unclear while he's going through it, which just makes him very interesting. Which is probably why he's one of Blizzard's favorite characters because he is pretty interesting and exists inside a world and a video game set up where there's two sides of every shoe and every like battle and stuff. Two you know? sides of every shoe, huh? <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> oh, issue. I said issue. Uh, I heard issue. Like shoe. <laughs> Two sides, Two sides of, every of every shoe. shoe. Uh, That's right. the sequel. That's uh, good sequel. Two, cities. <laughs> Two shoes. Two furious. <laughs> so, Stiletto drift. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> For what I have is, um, I don't know if you guys ever played it, Spec Ops The Line? No. No. So, Spec Ops The Line is a criminally underrated game. Easily mm. one of my favorite games. I ended People up went to jail for it. They did. They went to jail That's because it was so underrated. Yeah. Underrated it was. <laughs> People weren't rating it enough. But I ended up playing it for free on PS Plus like years ago. I think this was probably like fr- fresh out of college. And the whole concept is Dubai gets hit with like a series of devastating sandstorms and this uh, troop that was leaving home, that was leaving Afghanistan to go home. They go in defying the army's orders to basically declare martial law. And really what they ended up doing is like, they took over Dubai. And so you're taking over this commander. Uh, you're as like captain Walker and you're taking over this Delta force. That's supposed to go into Dubai to take out that, you know, renegade army faction that has now taken over Dubai so spoilers for Spec Ops the line. And <laughs> at some point what happens is you get hit with like a phosphorus attack, a white phosphorus attack, and your main character ends up getting a dissociative disorder, but you don't realize any of that at the time. And so throughout the game, you're presented with these moments of choice where you have to make what could be a tough decision, like whether or not you have to kill somebody or, you know, let them go or things of that nature. And it all leads to the final confrontation where you feel because like you think you've been talking to this the um basically the renegade army commander's name's Conrad. You think you've been talking to him this whole time over a radio frequency, and so you finally get to that end stage, and what you think is like this big fight with Conrad isn't so because Conrad's actually been dead for months, and you eventually realize that the Conrad you've been talking to is just a hallucination that you've conjured up. And then it cuts back to the choices you made. And like, there were things where 
he was trying to make a decision to like kill people and they were already just like dead corpses hanging. And so like all the other forces, like what the hell is going on with this guy? And so you are then left with the choice to like surrender. You can kill yourself or you can like kill Conrad, which eventually kills yourself as well. But it like does it like flips that switch because you've been making all these choices and you think you've been doing the right thing, but really you've been the problem the whole time. And it was just, I, I highly recommend Spec Ops The Line to anybody. It's a third-person shooter. I can't remember how long the, the story mode took. I, I want to say maybe like 10 to 12 hours. It wasn't anything too extravagant. But like I say, like that game kind of fell in my lap, and it was just it left a mark for sure. But that was one of those moments where you thought you were doing the right thing or the good thing or you were the good guy the entire time, and then come to find out, you had the rug pulled from under you and they did it in such a great way like it was just something you didn't see coming and so just like they left that like those breadcrumbs perfectly where then once it kind of clicked you were like you know now it made sense why you know my guys reacted to me a certain way or things like that so that one man that was one of like the the big like morally gray moments because like you feel like you've been doing the right thing the whole time only for the game to be like you're a fucking asshole (laughs) (laughs) wow that's pretty cool yeah, so go play Spec Ops The Line. Great game. <laughs> so when the topic of morally great characters came up, the first thing I thought of was Geralt of Rivia from Oh my Witcher. God, that's also <laughs> on my list. <laughs> <laughs> so because the whole concept of a Witcher is that you're supposed to be neutral and ambiguous like to the world, or you don't get involved in people's affairs. Your only responsibility is to kill monsters that interfere with the world. It's like my job at work. <laughs> to kill monsters? Yeah, and remain neutral. (laughs) Uh, So, and a lot of times you get like dialogue choices and with the side missions options to do things. And for example, like there's a mission where you can go and like find someone's missing kid and you could just be like, I'm not doing this or yeah, I'll do it. And be like, yeah, I'll do it, but for more money. Mm -hmm. So, and even if you pick like the, yeah, give me more money option, it's not enough of a reward to like really make a difference because these are all like poor farmers and peasants <laughs> but Give i think me your bread <laughs> that really cements the fact that like it's piping um, hot baguette <laughs> oh yes a piping hot baguette um it really cements the fact that it's like still morally gray or more neutral because you're not getting rewarded more or less in either sense mm-hmm. and the only time like even your big choices in the game like don't you don't really see much of an impact in them except for certain scenes like in the witcher 3 which i'm not gonna spoil for anyone because i think you're still playing it and it's a good game i don't want to spoil it <laughs> i've or, never like, certain... i've never played it by the way it is yeah. so good that's and one i gotta on... play game of the year edition is on sale now on steam for like 15 bucks get it but no it's it's a great game with even and even when there's choice, some certain choices you make, like a big decision, you won't know about the impact unless you go into like character profiles or your yeah. like archives and read. Because I made a choice that I was like, oh, I think I did the right thing, and then I went and read back, and I accidentally released the plague. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't come up in like it doesn't come up in conversation or anything. You have yeah. to go and look. So that was the first thing. I was like, The Witcher. Obviously. Yeah, Geralt is definitely ambiguous as character. And then, like, with the background that they set up for him, and then they give you very ambiguous choices a lot yeah. of the time, too. It's like, one you don't of the know only... what the right one is. The, yes, or the right exactly. one, I should oh, say. It's one of the only games... I try not to do this with games, where I, like, look up what 
ramifications my choices to, have. Because you have no clue. <laughs> the Witcher Three is one of the only ones in recent memory where I've done that because I'm like, oh, I don't want to like harm this ancient underground tree, but I don't know. Oh my god, does the, it want fertilizer or with does the it want? Yeah, I don't oh, know. That I don't one. Remember. That's one of the ones where it's like. Either one choice you make could yeah, be as good like, or bad, I don't but the know con- what to do. either consequence is pretty terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a really good example. Yeah. And I- also a very good video game that in that uses yes. a character with complex motiva- motivations. Absolutely, I recommend it to everybody. It's on sale yeah. right now on Steam for like fifteen bucks with the DLC. Absolutely worth it. I'd say it's worth it full price as well. So. Oh yeah. It is. Definitely play it, Steve. I think you'd like it. Yeah, I, that that one's definitely on my list. the The backlog list, though. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's a real it's a real beast. Yes. Because I think my big thing with the whole, I guess, morally ambiguous is I like games that are just morally ambiguous, like in the sense that I like the ones that give you the choice to kind of shape the characters the way you want it. And so, like I, yeah. I, I had alluded to at the beginning, I finally played through all four episodes of the final season of The Walking Dead. And so just want to throw a shout out to Skybound for bringing those telltale folks in to actually see this to the end. Cause obviously it was such a shitty thing that happened to everybody who worked at telltale, how that all came about. And so thank you to all of them for working and actually giving us fans the, the chance to kind of see Clementine's story come to an end, because I will put it on record right now. Clementine is the best walking dead character, hands down comics, TV or video games. She's the number one. And it might be a little bit biased because I've now been on this journey, you know, like four seasons worth of her. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the journey has been amazing because you start off in the first game. So spoilers for the entire Walking Dead Telltale series here. It's not going to be a lot. But you start off the first game as controlling Lee and he's a guy who's like an ex-con. He eventually stumbles on Clementine because her parents were away. She was like left with a babysitter. And she's, like, scared in her treehouse when all the fucking zombie outbreak is happening. And so Lee takes Clementine as basically eventually becoming her surrogate father. They have a great relationship. A very emotional ending to the first season. You gotta say goodbye to Lee. Because naturally he gets bit because it's fucking The Walking Dead, so everybody dies. <laughs> Unless you're Rick, who can ex- who can survive everything, apparently. Anywho... So Lee and Clementine have a great relationship, but then you eventually take control of Clementine in the second season. And so she's still very young, but the whole time in the first game, like you're making choices as Lee to make a good impression on Clementine because you have her there at all times. And I'll never forget. Clementine will remember that every single time you do something in that game, the little box pops up on the left. Clementine will remember that. And so that sticks with you because when you're making those tough decisions of like who to side with in an argument or who to save during a battle and admittedly the first couple of seasons of the walking dead none of that really mattered because like if you went to save somebody they'd eventually die later on anyway and we've talked about that before but the second season you finally take control over so you've pretty much been grooming her in that whole first season your progress carries over so this is all just like your journey with clementine and so i love actually being able to take control over because i feel like there's a connection there where i think we can all relate to that childhood innocence and it doesn't necessarily have to be the zombie apocalypse but we all can relate to being new at school or you know move to a new town or city or whatever it may be we can all relate to that kind of like fear of of the unknown so to speak so i think clementine has been such a powerful character in the sense that you're trying to grow her to be not only how you want her to be but how you think 
she would be in this world because there are, you know, cutscenes where it doesn't necessarily matter what you've done where, you know, she'll kind of express her own personality. So you try to kind of gear her to how she would be in that, you know, zombie apocalypse world. But this final season, it's very kind of full circle where now Clementine, you're in control of her, but she's also taken on like the surrogate mom duty of a little boy named AJ. And so now you're doing what Lee was doing in the first season, but now you're doing it as Clementine. So you're taking everything you've learned through four seasons. Fuck the third season, the new frontier, because we didn't get to play as Clementine. That was lame. (laughs) And so season four. So now you're just basically doing the same thing you're doing season one. You're trying to make sure you are going to shape AJ the way you want him to be in this terrible fucking world you're living in where everything's trying to kill you. And so there are those moments like there's one in particular because there's this guy that you meet and he's terrified of like AJ becoming a merciless killer, which I think is weird because like they just met and he's like, you got to stop him from being a merciless killer. It's like, dude, fuck you. Like we literally just met. We're in the zombie apocalypse. Shit's going to happen. And so there's a scene where the woman who's like been the main antagonist and she's actually a callback from the first season, which I appreciate that they did. I thought it was pretty cool how they, they threw that all full circle She's been the main antagonist the whole time and you're confronted with a decision where, you know, you're trying to escape and you got her beaten down and AJ's pointing a gun at her and you can tell AJ shoot her or don't because it's like, oh, she's not a threat anymore. But like, she's a threat. Like if she gets back up, she's going to do the same shit she was just doing. So I was like, yeah, fucking shoot her. Shoot her in the (laughs) face, AJ. And so he, he shoots her. But like, those are the decisions because you're like, how would I act in this zombie apocalypse? Like how would I be in these situations and how can I make sure that I'm not going to create, you know, like an actual serial killer who is just running around popping everybody in the face. Oh, And so I like the way you kind of had to walk the line. I actually felt like the decisions that you, cause they, they made it. So it, it modeled what they've been doing with the, with the Batman games where it'll give you like a full synopsis after every chapter with every decision you made and then how your relationships have changed with the people. And so it did get a lot more in depth and that's why I love those like morally ambiguous games because it gives you the, the, I guess the fidelity to actually make those choices and kind of figure out how you would operate in that setting through these surrogate characters. I do think like touching back to the fable mass effect, like discussion, I think out of all the games we've discussed or the ones I think of fable did the morality, morality decisions the best because mass effect, it was so, at least for me, it was so hard for me to not do Paragon because it was like you got much better rewards for being a nice person rather than being a jerk. Aside from punching the reporter in the face, I did that <laughs> in the third game because she deserved it. They ask you a bad question. <laughs> she, was just, she like harasses you throughout the entire game series. Mass Effect 3, it was like punch her or just be civil. And I was like, fuck her. I've dealt with this for three games. I'm punching her. <laughs> it's like the one renegade thing I did. And I'm hoping moving forward with more uh, video games that will be coming out with like morality options and you could be good, bad or neutral, what have you, that it'll be more fleshed out and not so like heavy handed with the, well, if you're good, you'll get all the rewards. If yeah. you're bad, well, fuck you anyway. Give us, yeah, give us um, some like reasonable bad rewards. Like give right, me a like reason to want to be a bad guy. <laughs> or just give me a complex, interesting motivation that doesn't have a good and a bad. It has a motivation that you yeah, have to yeah, like, I agree carry with that out. Too. Something. Yeah. I'm like, interested in what Fallen Order does. 
Um, yeah, the the you know, new the Star uh, Wars game. I have hopes. Yes. I have hopes. Respawn's and, you know, a talented team. They are. And so we'll, we'll see. see. We shall. Well, as last words, I look forward to more video games that have characters who are complex and interesting, who have motivations that they're very um, passionate about, but aren't necessarily good or evil. And I would love to see more games like that. And that's what I'd say about that. Agreed. You know, it's a really good, morally ambiguous game. Super salad. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta make the right choice. (laughs) Well, what's the right choice and what's the wrong choice? Is there right and wrong? It's to be debated till the end of time, if we're being honest. Mm. (laughs) If you have any thoughts on morally gray video games, characters, choices, decisions that you've made in video games or characters you really like, please call us at 347-509-5620. Let us know. Let us know. So let's move in to patch notes 4.11.19. Patch notes, as always, is brought to you by our sponsor, Evil Tim Industries. Evil Tim Industries has rebranded as Morally Gray Tim Industries, and they are advancing science and security for all humans but all humans have to put a chip in their head and though that chip helps you perform daily functions there could be something sinister on it but is that a good trade-off for having you know some added memory to do tasks and remember things and do work maybe maybe so buy your chip Today, Morally Gray, Tim Industries. I really wanted to see just how high your voice could get on that. <laughs> it was getting pretty high. It was high. getting high. <laughs> Patch Notes 4.11.19, where we bring you the latest news that broke since last we spoke. Yeah. Uh, who would like to go first? I got a, just a quick one. You can okay. do that. Mine's just, quick. Mine's just, quick. Just, just, yours, just a quickie. <laughs> so this is from Game Informer by Javi Gwaltney. And it's Randy Pitchford says it was Troy Baker's choice not to reprise Tales from Borderlands role. One of the most enjoyable moments in the Borderlands 3 reveal trailer was seeing Reese, one of the two protagonists from Tales from the Borderlands, make a surprise return. He looks older and is sporting an iffy-looking mustache, but no doubt about it, that's our bumbling yet charming criminal lad Reese. Though fans have welcomed his return and have likely hoped for more of the cast to reappear, it appears that the man who gave Reese a voice isn't too happy about the occasion. Troy Baker, who also voiced Joel in The Last of Us and Booker DeWitt in Bioshock Infinite, recently revealed at a fan convention that he was not returning to voice the character and even spoke at length about his dissatisfaction with Borderlands developer Gearbox, who co-developed Tales from the Borderlands with Telltale. This is a quote from Troy. I don't agree with Gearbox on how they're handling it. I really want Gearbox to know that if they're going to bring back characters from Tales from the Borderlands, it should be the people who originated the characters. They shouldn't just recast willy-nilly because as a fan, that matters to me. Randy Pitchford chimed in on the matter when responding to a user on Twitter saying that Baker actually turned down the opportunity himself. So it hasn't been updated. The, the, the most recent update was Pitchford's comment. So we haven't seen anything else from Troy Breaker. Yeah, First I was on for- Twitter today yeah. looking to see if he like said anything back because um, I read like a few comments him saying he's like they didn't ask me to come back I didn't even know 
the character was coming back because yeah. people were tweeting the screenshot from the trailer. He and like, does that mean you're coming back? He's like, oh my god, I hope so. Like Gearbox, let's make it happen. Yeah, and so Troy Baker, obviously very talented. He's got his hands in a lot of things. Uh, he's been like he's literally like one of the voice actors who you just know by name. You know, like as soon as you say it, you can easily remember. It's like, oh, I remember him from X, Y, and Z game. Like he's done so many things. This actually reminds me back to <laughs> Matt's going to shake his head, but somehow I've managed to mention Metal Gear Solid Five twice this episode. But back when that game first came out, it was announced that Kiefer Sutherland was going to take over as Big Boss instead of David Hayter, who had been doing the voice of Snake the entire series. And so everyone was like, well, what the hell is going on? And then David was like, yeah, they didn't ask me to do it. They just like we i he's like i wasn't like obviously i i love that character i would love to do it he's like but they went another way and it was one of those weird things because like that's the voice i just know like that is solid snake's voice and so i'm sure because everything i've heard tales from the borderlands is actually one of the few telltale games i haven't played i do need to play it because i've heard it's absolutely amazing so funny and so that's the thing is like you get hooked on these characters and these these voice actors they're the ones who give them that voice and that personality and so it does suck to see like a especially a very talented voice actor like troy baker not get to reprise a role in a very big game and clearly he's a fan favorite character and so that's why i kind of wanted this like hit home for me because that's how i felt when metal gear solid 5 was announced and like don't get me wrong like i love Kiefer sutherland huge jack bauer fan i think if jack bauer were real we wouldn't have a lot of these problems in the world but <laughs> I digress. I was still devastated when I was like, oh shit, like the voice of Snake is no longer the voice of Snake. You know, it was weird. And so it just kind of sucks when you kind of see these things happen, especially when it's going the way it sounds like it's going, where they were just like, oh yeah, we're bringing back the character, but we're not going to tell you about it and we're not going to offer you a job. So. Well, I want to know what the truth is because Pitchford's saying that, well, he didn't, He's not in charge of that. He was saying that, like, a Gearbox representative or something right, told right. him that apparently Baker turned it down. But I want to know the truth because I have a feeling there's no way Troy would have turned it down if they asked him. Right? He loves that character. Yeah, and he just loves I I, voice acting. <laughs> yeah, I can't see him being like, I'll only do it if you give me a gajillion dollars. Like, I honestly, he, I, he comes across as, like, the type of celebrity personality just be like, I'd rather, I'd do it for free because I yeah, love Yeah, that because that's the thing is, so like, much he doesn't strike and again like i don't know the guy personally right like he doesn't strike me in any of his interactions with any of the things he does as being someone who's like i demand you know seven figures or something crazy like he just he genuinely seems like a guy who really enjoys what he does and he loves just being you know on camera or doing characters like him and nolan north have a youtube series together yeah yeah they do (laughs) they just love they love video games. They love doing video game things. So I don't know. It's, I hope that we find out a little bit more, but I I really hope it wasn't just like, Hey, we're just not even going to bother offering the job to you. You know, apparently uh, Randy Pitchford also mentioned, like you'll see when you play the game, but based on the way Reese is presented in the game, there was, there's really no need for a voice actor. So I was like, Oh, okay. What did he have? His like his throat ripped out. (laughs) I don't know. It's like he offered no <laughs> other. Yeah. He we'll offered see. no other. Yeah, he makes noises like that. You know. Yeah, maybe if he's like an older version. Yeah, maybe. I can see that. But So that's mine. That's my patchy. Thanks thanks for the patchy. Matt, what's your patchy? Well, today on Twitch, while I was in an interview, there <laughs> was <laughs> Blizzard senior game designer was, uh, I forget his name, was uh, doing 
a preview of the next update, the Rise of Ashara, Heart of Azeroth updates. Heart of Asgard? Wow. <laughs> nope. And what's interesting and why this is not just important to me, but important to you know people that were interested in WoW or play WoW or interested in MMOs in general, they are basically like fixing a lot of things people had complained about when Battle for Azeroth launched. Uh, and they're adding a lot too. So one of the things that they're doing is that you have this medallion, which is your neck item. It's called the Heart of Azeroth. And it's just it just sits there and it gains levels and it doesn't really do anything. And when in Legion, like you got these really cool weapons and and you could like and these are like legendary weapons that have been in WoW lore for a while. And you could like upgrade them and you could get new skins for them. And it was just cool. It was like something to do. You had yeah. something to to do that affected your character. And so we went from that to like this necklace that just sits there. <laughs> so should I wear it? No, 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 no. Special uh, occasions only. Yeah. <laughs> they're adding in an essences system where now you can like pick different abilities for your heart of Azeroth. And so you can customize it. You have all these things you can choose so and, it, and it levels up and you can right. And there's, nice. and there's customization. So like That's easy good. fix, you can pick up like different level essences, things like that. So like, thank God they added something interesting yeah. um, for that mechanic. <laughs> thank um, you. Other things that they did that they are adding, uh, they're adding two new zones, two new raids. The story's progressing both on sort of the war front between the two factions, as well as the greater story, which is involving the old god Mazoth, which I think will, <laughs> which I think will culminate in the rising of the Black Empire. Ooh. which is going to be the next expansion in my guess. And so that would be very interesting. And then what else? There's new islands. So they're just like adding a ton of content, which is very welcome. And so, and there's like a lot of probably grindy things to do that, that will pop up. But I feel like if you play WoW, you somewhat enjoy grinding for things, at least if you play it at a high level. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it was pretty exciting to watch that uh, that Twitch stream nice. in the background. Yeah, so, <laughs> while interviewing. No, I think I think it started when I was interviewing. Then I I was just working and had it on in the background. Oh, nice, awesome! I'm excited for you. I know you've been kind of waiting for more WoW stuff. So yes, well, thank you. You've been waiting to be wowed. Stop! <laughs> it's almost like you saw that coming. I did. All right. Well, my patchies from Polygon by Cass Marshall. Overwatch Storm Rising runs from April 16th to May 6th. So by the time this episode come out, the event will have already started. But it is the next uh, archives event, the third one for Overwatch. And I'm very excited because those are the events where we get actual lore for the game. It looks like this one is taking place six years before the current day of overwatch and it's focusing on a squad led by a game i guess you'd say game art character tracer in previous overwatch archives event there was a talon council member maximilian he's like this really fancy looking omnic um it's gonna looks like the event is focusing on him and trying to take him down which 
in present day, we know that he's still around because he works with other talent forces like Moira and Reaper and Sombra. So I'm excited. They've already started releasing skins for the Which event. are lame. I was Ooh. just going to say I'm pretty disappointed with them so far. Um, the Baptiste one is just like when he was in Talon. He's the newest character. So that one's like, okay. It's like, oh, he's younger. Okay. The Junkrat skin, he's already a freaking clown. He's already <laughs> had a clown one. It's it's bad. Um, and the Moira skin, it's just a lab coat over her current outfit, basically. <laughs> and that's a freaking legendary. It is ba- it's dumb. And I, I, I love her character design and stuff. I'm like, all you do is put a lab coat over her. It's not that hard. <laughs> I'm not paying anything for that. So... I'm disappointed so far in what they've released, but in terms of story, I am excited. And plus, it's a PVE uh, event, which I think is where Overwatch really flourishes when they do their events. Like, I could care less for Lucio Ball. I'd rather just play Junkenstein's event and kill robots or do this where you're fighting against other enemies rather than getting into a competitive game and dying all the time. So I'm looking forward to it. Why can't they just release a single-player campaign? Because it's not what the game was built to be. Oh, <laughs> uh, why? Honest, I would honestly love it if they had one of the PvE events always on rotation throughout, know, like their, same. like their, um, whatever it's called, not quick play, but like whatever, you know. Yeah. The, like fun stuff. I don't see what the problem is. Like maybe if it's a lot to like change over, have maybe have it be one thing for a month, or like two months and then swap it. Like I. I don't care about Mystery Heroes enough to want to keep playing that. I'd rather <laughs> rather do Halloween event constantly. So those are my patchies. Nice. 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 Well, that's been Patch Notes 4.11.19. Steve, why don't you close out the little old podcast that I we sure will. So episode 75 begins to wind down. So if you've enjoyed this or any other episode, head on over to whatever podcast service you listen to us on, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast, whatever it is, leave us a like, subscribe to us, write us a review. It goes a long way, and we really appreciate the support. And of course, if you've enjoyed this or any other episode or anything else we produce, Head on over to patreon.com slash plus one player. And if you're feeling generous, throw us a buck or two because every dollar you give us will go right back to the show to make it the best podcast it can possibly be. As I mentioned, we have an amazing group of Patreon supporters and we would love it if you would join that amazing group. So as always, we wind down episode 75 and we hope that you've enjoyed it just as much as we've enjoyed making it for you. And wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you and we will talk to you all very soon. Also, Littlefinger would have never died in the way he died in the show. That was so stupid. <laughs> side note. Um, uh, yeah. No, no, no. Side note. That's just he a side note. Moving on. The Starks can't be trifled with. <laughs> the pack survives. Fucking, they're teenagers, and he's an incredibly intelligent adult. Yep. They'll, uh, they definitely yeah. learn how to take him down. He was in love with the teenager. That's his downfall. <laughs> Bran's the three-eyed raven. He fucking sees everything. He's got the sight. Whatever. <laughs> it's all he has so it's all, literally all he has um, i'm the three-eyed raven now <laughs> yeah we impression. get it bran <laughs>